When it comes to like children, we say we've got a, an autistic child or an ADHD child. And I'm trying to say, we've got a child. I, I'm a great believer in mantras. And my mantra that I try to get people to follow is the problem is the problem, not the child. Welcome to the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Corrigan. My co-host is Emma Shackleton, and we're obsessed with helping teachers, school leaders, parents, and of course, students when classroom behaviour gets in the way of success. We're going to share the tried and tested secrets to classroom management, behavioural special needs, whole school strategy, and more, all with the aim of helping your students reach their true potential. Plus, we'll be letting you eavesdrop on our conversations with thought leaders from a around the world so you'll get to hear the latest evidence-based strategies before anyone else this is the school behavior secrets podcast Welcome to episode 12 of the School Behaviour Secrets podcast and today we have an interview with Dr Rob Long on how to measure the impact of behaviour intervention groups so if you're running a social skills group an anger management group a nurture group any type of intervention that focuses on a child's social emotional or mental health needs there'll be something here for you today. I'm here with my co-host, Emma Shackleton. Hi, Emma. Hi there. Simon, this week I'm going to switch things up a bit and I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever wasted time trying to fix a problem, but you were focused on entirely the wrong thing? We had some damp along the walls at the back of our house and we got people in and they were looking at repointing the bricks and putting in a damp course. And none of those things helped with the damp. The damp kept on coming back. And we finally got a plumber in and he put a camera down some of our pipes. And he found there was actually a hole in one of the pipes. And the problem all along was the pipe and it was nothing to do with damp outside at all. Ah, so you were trying to fix the damp and actually it was to do with the pipe? Absolutely. Well, and today we're going to talk about something similar with behaviour interventions. Dr. Rob Long is going to explain how we can make sure we focus our attention on the right problems when we put together an intervention program for our kids, whether that's an individual or a group of students. Plus, he's going to explain how to measure the success of your program. So when a school leader asks you, is that program working? Or an inspector comes in and asks you the dreaded question, is this program value for money? You've got all the answers you need at your fingertips. This sounds like it's going to be really useful for schools because they have to prove the impact of the interventions, don't they? Absolutely. So without any more ado, let's play our interview with Dr. Rob Long. Today, I've got a special guest on the show. Dr. Rob Long is a chartered psychologist who provides training and support to children and young people who face social, emotional and mental health issues. He's written and published books and assessments to support his work and training. Today, we're going to be talking to Rob about something that is notoriously difficult. How can we measure the impact of behavior interventions and social emotional interventions in school? How do we know whether our nurture groups, our social skills groups, our anger management groups are really working? And how can we measure that impact? Plus, we'll also be looking at using assessments to make sure our interventions are focused in the right place on the causes of behavior rather than the symptoms of behavior, because that's when we're going to have the biggest effect. And the tool we're going to be looking at to help us do this is the SNAP B profile. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about what the SNAP B profile is and how it developed? Well, going back in time, um, Hodder and Stoughton had kind of produced an assessment program for children with specific learning difficulties. A guy called Charles Knight, and they, he worked with two other people, Charles Whedon and Gavin Reed. 
And they produced this kind of profile for dyslexic type difficulties and everything. And then they got in touch with me to see if I could work with Charles Whedon and whether we could produce something for behavior. And behavior is my main special interest area. So we developed it and then it's been modified. And that's what I'm here to describe and explain to you. What problem does the profile solve? In a way, we were ahead of the times. There's the thing about behavior. How do you manage behavior? How do you control behavior? And I think our approach was more kind of how do you understand behavior? So we were already thinking in terms of behavior being a form of communication. It wasn't so much about just the behavior. It was about the individual of which the behavior was probably symptomatic of some kind of difficulties. And that's where Charles and myself came up with this idea of looking at the relationships that children have with themselves, with their peers, and with adults. And almost like saying, An assessment needs to have that kind of focus because all the stuff about collecting how many times certain behaviors occur or anything like that, the behavior is ambiguous. The behavior needs to be understood. You need to have a kind of hypothesis as to what might be causing this particular behavior. We were interested in not just doing an assessment profile. I'm a psychologist and you can get lots of kind of fancy psychological assessments. We wanted to go beyond that. And I've always wanted to say it's not the theories you apply to children, it's the techniques based on the theories. And what people who are working on the front line want is, yes, this child has got this, that or the other problem, but what do I do about it? And I felt as a psychologist, myself and Charles, we wanted to build into the assessment a bank of user-friendly ideas that would give a person an idea or nudge them in a certain direction. But we felt that they shouldn't be starting off with, okay, here's the problem. Where do we go now to deal with it? We wanted to say contained within SNAP is a very kind of a significant number of user-friendly interventions for in school and home. How would a school go about completing a SNAP B profile? Who completes it? What kind of questions do they ask? What does the process look like? Well, it's an online assessment, so it's derived from having a whole bank of questions that teacher, Senko, support staff that know the child, that they answer the kind of frequency that certain behaviours are occurring. So when we looked at, say, relationship with self, and we thought about the psychological construct of anxiety or depression, we then looked for what are the behavioural indicators for a child with anxiety? So once we kind of said, well, a child with anxiety is typically like this, then we put those kind of questions in. So the person that knows the child will actually answer those questions. And then the magic bit for me, and this was where Charles was so good, is that once all the data's in and you've answered all the questions at home, in school, with relationship to a specific child, how they relate to themselves, how they relate to peers and adults, and you hit the button, it produces a profile. And the profile then shows you areas of strength and areas of concern or weakness. Because I suppose the the analogy for me is something like, if you've got a boat that's leaking, so if a child has got a difficulty, it needs to be addressed. But the little boat has got a leak, but it's also got a sail, and it's the sail that takes the boat forward. So we were equally concerned that what are the child's strengths? So how can we build those in? So once all the questions have been answered and you can then have a profile that shows the areas of strength and the areas of concern, the the Senko then who's working with the child will know we're going to tackle this one area. And then when you hit that button on the, uh, the assessment profile, it then comes up with a bank of information about different types of aggression or anxiety or anything like that. It gives you information about it. And then there's suggestions for what a Senko could help a class teacher do within the class. 
and also similar information for home, for parents or carers to have about the difficulty and a bank of ideas and resources. It actually was a toolbox. So would a fair analogy be, in the past, our car's broken, we've taken it to the mechanic, left it for half the day, and the mechanic might say, yes, the news is your car is broken. I kind of knew there was something wrong already. That doesn't help me move things along. What the snap B does is it says, yes, there are issues here, but this is how we move things along. This is how we get this car back on the road. Definitely. We weren't trying to medicalize, you know, there's an issue about anxiety or whatever, you know, what's causing it. It's almost like those kind of questions suggest that it's a deficit model, that there's something wrong with the child and the child needs fixing. So, I mean, I think our argument was more like sometimes we need to be asking what has happened to this child? Because the anxiety could equally be caused by worry over the work, being bullied, etc., etc., outside factors. So we wanted to avoid this idea that what is the cause? There's not one factor that causes it. Usually there's a kind of uh, interlocking number of biological predispositions to it. Then there's kind of personality factors, environmental factors, etc., etc. So when people are looking for you know, the silver bullet, I mean, SNAP almost says, I think, in the manual that you know, multifaceted problems require multifaceted solutions. You're not going to have one intervention that does it. You're going to tend to have a number of different uh, interventions into place to achieve it. You've spoken about SNAPB sort of looks at the child's relationship with themselves and anxiety. What other kinds of areas does SNAPB look at? Obviously, you've got the typical ones of attention, defiant behaviours. With defiant behaviours, well, sometimes you've just got a strong-willed child anger, aggression, different types of aggression, instrumental, reactive aggression. So you've got all these different strands. When you take a piece of behavior, behavior is nothing more than the behavior that you observe. It's a question of how you analyze that, how you interpret it. Managing behavior is a bit like being a a detective. You have to investigate what is driving this behavior. Is it this? Is it that? So SNAP gives you a direction to say, this is a plausible explanation for this behavior. It is in no way trying to diagnose it. It's trying to say these behavioral descriptors that you filled in on the assessment seem to fit with so that all the different strands are possible areas to explore within SNAP. I'd just like to take a pause from the podcast for a minute to say that if you're finding this podcast useful, then you'll love what we've got waiting for you in our Inner Circle program. The Inner Circle is your one-stop shop for all things behaviour. It's a comprehensive platform filled with videos, resources and behaviour inspiration to get you unstuck with classroom behaviour. It feels like having a behaviour expert on call 24-7. Our online videos walk you through solutions to common behaviour problems step by step, whether it's the best classroom strategies and tactics, behavioural special needs or practical resources, the Inner Circle has got you covered. And just like Netflix, you can turn an Inner Circle subscription on or off whenever you need to. Get the behaviour answers you've been looking for today with Inner Circle. Visit beaconschoolsupport.co.uk and click on the Inner Circle picture near the top of the page for more information. And now, back to the podcast. So let's imagine I'm uh, a school leader or a SENCO or a learning mentor or a counsellor, something like that. And I've got a child who's experiencing difficulties that I've been asked to work with, perhaps put in place an intervention program. How can I use SNAP B to prepare an effective intervention program? Well, once you've got the people who know the child, remember built into SNAP is involving the young person themselves in terms of how they want to be supported. What it does is like brings together those people that know the youngster well. They complete the profile 
and the profile then comes up and highlights certain areas. So it's, it's almost like gathered a lot of data and almost indicate to people, these are the areas of most concerns. It's signposting a direction. The people then involved can say, okay, this is an area of concern. The young person, if they're old enough and cognitively aware enough, will be involved in it and the home will be in it. But it, all the people then say, okay, this is the kind of problem. Now, remember, when you get into the philosophy behind that, the problem is the problem, not the child. It is the problem that's been referred. It's the problem that's been dealt with, the problem being explored. For the child, it could be the solution. If a child is needing more attention and is uh, you know, irritating adults in the classroom, which gets them to behave negatively to the child, the negative attention is fine for the child. So quite often, children have got inappropriate problem-solving techniques. So at SNAP, you put the problem on the chair, not the child. I want the child to work with us to tackle this difficulty because the way they're coping with a, a need or a, an emotional you know, issue is not helpful for them to be successfully included within the class, within the school, within the home. So try to get away from this pathologizing children, yeah? I mean, we talk about you know, attention-seeking children. We talk about ADHD children. We don't talk about flu people or broken bone people. That's very true. When it comes to, like, children, we say we've got an autistic child or an ADHD child. And I'm trying to say, we've got a child. I'm a great believer in mantras, and my mantra that I try to get people to follow is the problem is the problem, not the child. What kind of interventions does SNAPB recommend? Are they evidence-based? Are they easy to follow? Yes. As a psychologist, I mean, there's nothing wacky about our ideas. They're about social skills training, cognitive restructuring to improve uh, a student to have a better attitude about themselves, to build their self-esteem, relaxation, anxiety. They're all techniques that are user-friendly, but nothing that hasn't got evidence base behind it. We wanted to save people going to look for an intervention. We've done that looking. Charles and I have done the looking, and now we're able to say, these are techniques that work. You might need to modify it because obviously transferring a technique from one situation to another, you know, the context obviously matters a lot. But our interventions are meant to be user-friendly at home or in school. They're not meant to be complicated or anything like that, but they are supported. How detailed are the recommendations and what type of recommendations do you get? We take a view that it's not just the individual child you might be looking at, but also the interventions within the class, within the group, and in the school. So we also talk about in the the manual about restorative practices. I think our interventions and everything are more in tune with schools that have got kind of attachment stroke relational type philosophies, yes? Schools that are saying we want to build an ethos where we have children come in and some of them for various reasons might need to have support in learning the right skills. So we don't have to pathologize or anything like that, but we have some kids that will need extra help to learn how to be in our context with us. So we've got individual interventions, whole class. So there are ideas for the class teacher. A lot of it applies to all children, but there are some children that needed it a little bit more targeted. And that's what SNAP is able to identify. It's not for children who've been diagnosed, you know, as having a medical type based problem. It's more for those who are having some difficulties and the kind of Senko wants a quick way of finding a way of supporting them at home, in the class, and as an individual level, then SNAPB is what can achieve that. Okay, so we've got our imaginary school leader, and they've filled out the SNAPB profile for their child or children. And the, the children themselves have completed the SNAPB profile, and SNAPB gives us lots of recommendations and ideas for interventions and the whole class recommendations and that kind of thing. So our leader goes away, and we set up an intervention with the children for, say, a period of about 12 weeks 
And then an Ofsted inspector turns up and then asks the dreaded question, can you prove that your intervention is providing value for money? You know, sometimes we like to separate money from the work that we do. We care about kids. But it is a question that schools get asked. And a lot of school leaders, when they're asked that question, there's a moment of silence where their jaw drops and they're not quite sure how to answer. They kind of anecdotally know it's making a difference. They've spoken to the class teacher. The child looks a bit happier. But how do we use Snapbee to prove that? The initial assessment will give you a profile. And then what you will do is that you can do two or three repeat profiles that can actually show you changes in the pattern of behaviours. So you can narrow in. So if you've been looking at kind of aggressive responses or defined behaviour, you've got a baseline. This is what we were concerned with. And then after a period of time, I'm obviously going on that the inspector has some understanding about the complexities of behaviour. Let's hope. Children don't readily give up a behaviour that works for them. There's a reluctance to change because what they're doing is working for them in helping them cope in one way or the other. So there is that expectancy that, you know, SNAP isn't given silver bullets, but over a period of time, you can show that the interventions have been, you know, either effective or making little by little changes. Obviously, with some children, it might be the step to saying, we now need to refer on that we've done this for so long, and there has not been a kind of any change in behavior, because Sometimes children need more support, more intense support, and SNAP is not trying to be that kind of a solution for children perhaps medically based or, or more severe attachment disorders or anything like that. SNAP is not trying to do that. Often the model is, what skills does this child need to have to not have the problem? And so SNAP is coming up with like interventions and friendship skills, you know, ideas like that, of role play, modeling and things like that. What SNAP is trying to say, how do we help a child develop the skills to be able to cope better with the difficulty that we've identified and be more successfully included. You could show to an inspector, this is where we were, this is where we are, this is how we changed our path because that wasn't working, that intervention. So you are monitoring it, You're not just doing it. You are monitoring the intervention and checking out the changes. And of course, having the knowledge to know something isn't working as well as you thought it was is powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. Interventions, from my mind, always work best when schools and parents are on the same page working together. How can SNAPB help with that kind of joined-up approach? The key thing right from the very beginning is that home is part of the assessment. So it isn't that one side is doing like a school is doing the assessment. Obviously, there would be meetings and discussions, and then everyone is contributing to the profile. If a child has only got difficulties in school but not at home, well, that can improve understanding as to what are the differences and why might that be? So I think SNAP can provide information that can help home, help school work together. A lot of the behavior might be occurring in one place, but not in others. That information is indicative of us you know, probing further. So I think it's like involving parents, family within the process, not something that's been done to them, it's been done with them. What kind of information do they get from the profile? If it was something like anger or defiant or that kind of behavior, there's an attempt to include an information sheet about the typical characteristics, the typical behaviours that you observe. And then behind that, it's not expecting parents to, to follow the interventions, but for the interventions to stimulate an idea or for them to say, well, we've been doing something like that, but we could be trying this. So it's a holistic kind of understanding of the child rather than just a very narrow look at the child's behavior in one place. Because obviously children learn how to behave differently in different contexts, differently with different adults. So SNAP is trying to take that on board. SNAP is trying to help people understand the complexity of behavior. 
tackling the problem behavior rather than looking to say, well, hold on, what is the function of that behavior? What is the child learning from that behavior? Are they using that behavior to avoid something or to obtain something? I think we live in a world that's sometimes obsessed with simple answers to complicated questions. This is a case of this, isn't it? Sometimes those behaviours you see in the classroom are driven by all sorts of factors. Yeah, it's usually a combination. I think even in a diagnostic, you get co-occurring behaviours. A child with ADHD can also have anxiety. We naively try to present, oh, this is ADHD. No, it's not. The child has got a range of issues. You only get out of a mince machine what you put into it. And I think with SNAP, we've tried to put in. Intuitively, what is important is the relationships. You'll get more and more schools saying, we're moving away from a behaviour policy to a relationship-based policy. This is how we want children to behave to themselves, with peers, with adults. And that's why, you know, when I look back, I think when we constructed this, we were already saying the use of reward structures, it tends to be the same children that keep on being punished. And I think SNAP is trying to say, hold on, there's a better way to understand and support this child by doing this kind of profile and following up with interventions. There's a, a great cartoon, I think it's from the 1940s, to do with the war. It's, just, it's a picture of a sergeant major talking to his corporal, and he says, the beatings will continue until morale improves. To bring that full circle, and to talk about something you spoke about at the start, many schools at the moment will measure their interventions, the impact of those interventions, by keeping records of things like behaviour incidents, tally charting behaviours, just crossing off or ticking whether the kids met their IEP targets. Where does SNAPB take them beyond that? Well, I think for the start, SNAP shows the young person's strength. So you've got the strength, you've got the intervention built into the program, but you then can go back on and actually see exactly whether or not there has been changes in behaviour. You've got the child actively involved in the process. You've got the family involved in it. So I think compared to a lot of other assessments of tally accounts and everything like that, you've still got to analyze the behavior. Because behavior is ambiguous, you need a framework that says, okay, which road should we go down? Because any behavior could be interpreted differently. I mean, you can have three students tapping, making a noise in the classroom. I mean, one might be bored, one might be hungry, the third one might be trapped in a cupboard at the back trying to get out of it. (laughs) So you have to look very carefully at behaviour. And I think too often schools, you can end up counting the incidents, counting the fights, counting the disruptions. And it's more like gathering evidence as to why this child needs to either be somewhere else or needs extra help or whatever. But SNAP is gathering the information to say, how do we understand and support this child with the behaviour that we're concerned about? What age range is it suitable for? Well, five to 16. It's an ideographic. I mean, I don't want to get you know, but it's more of an ideographic rather than normal It is not grounded in kind of baselines and everything like that. So you could use it on the older children, but you're trying to understand an individual child. So the ideographic approach is saying the child is their own baseline. We're trying to understand what has moved that. So I wouldn't expect it below five. And finally, we ask this of all our guests. Who's the key figure that's influenced you or what's the key book that you've read that's had the biggest impact on your approach to working with children? I'm surrounded by so many books, Simon, so many books. (laughs) If you were to pick one for someone listening to this, which one would you pick? There's a guy, when I started studying, a guy called Martin Seligman, and he was around doing learned helplessness, but he's moved on from that and strongly developed starting, and a lot of your listeners will know, with Maslow. Maslow was a humanist. Maslow was on about people self-actualizing, achieving their potential. Well, Seligman has built and developed what has become known as positive psychology. 
And a book I've not long read was called The Hope Circuit, which I really enjoyed. And then following on from that, I'm now reading the second wave positive psychology that I'm trying to help people, especially with the pandemic going on, is that while we have to be aware of the anxiety, the negativity that is surrounding all of us, we also got to understand the powerful side of positive emotions, how we help and develop those. So the books are at the moment that are influencing my work, my practice, my understanding is, is not just the kind of problems that children have, but how do you help fill the sale so they can go forward and be successful as well. Rob, I think that's a brilliant note to end the interview on. Thank you for being on our podcast today. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of what we've spoken about. Thank you very much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. And if you want to find out more about SnapB or want to know how to get the SnapB profile for your school, look up www.hoddereducation.co.uk slash snapb that's hodder spelt with two d's all one word hodder education on the web and all the information you need is waiting for you and i'll also put a copy of that url in the podcast description and of course when you're assessing a pupil's behavior the first thing you'll need to do is check that you've got your whole class systems up and running well because the right systems and environment will have a significant impact on a child's individual needs in class So here's a simple and free way of making sure that you've got that environment right. It's called the Classroom Management Score Sheet and you can get it from our website today. It's got a list of things that you are doing or not doing. Think of it as a clear roadmap to improve your presence in the classroom and the way you organise the environment in the classroom. It's based on thousands of observations that Emma and I have conducted between us so you know it's based on sound classroom practice. And this is really useful also if you're supporting a colleague with their classroom management. It can help to make your feedback and action points even more clear and objective. You can get that now by going to beaconschoolsupport.co.uk, clicking on the free resources option in the menu, and you'll find it near the top of the page. We'll also drop a link to the score sheet in the episode description. It's free, so get your copy today. If you found today's episode useful, spread the love by leaving us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That makes a huge difference to us because the more ratings and reviews you give us, the easier you make it for other podcast listeners to find the show and join our family of listeners. And if you want to hear more episodes just like this, don't forget to subscribe by opening your podcast app and pressing the subscribe button now. Thank you so much for listening to School Behaviour Secrets. Have a great week and we look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.